Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. for downloading another episode of the thundercast you can follow us on twitter at thundercast underscore pod and please head over to the thundercast youtube channel and give us a subscription over there too so you don't miss any of the youtube exclusive content that heads uh, that goes on over there including now we're into football season Russ, it's thundercast live you don't want to miss those that go on each and every home game live from the sea lot powered by ignite link we've got a nice episode here we've welcoming it we are welcoming in the guys from the odu monarchists uh, a group of fans a podcast that they have a twitter follower or they have twitter and other social media outlets. they're a lot like us they're our buddies just like us they just happen to like old dominion so we're going to welcome them in and help with the preview of the herd homecoming game but before we get into all that, we've got to get a quick for, quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Jason and Matt are experienced injury lawyers in Huntington who practice throughout West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. They can't protect you from bad drivers, but they will make sure you're treated fairly by the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Russ, we just recapped a huge game this weekend, this past weekend in Huntington. We we saw the herd take down Virginia Tech. It was something we both felt good about was going to happen. Of course, we now turn the page to herd homecoming. It's homecoming week in Huntington, West Virginia, and we're going to be welcoming really now that has become some of our buddies because, well, across two conferences now, we've uh, shared games, played games, and, you know, they've won some, we've won some, and this, this kind of... Mix up with ODU has come across several sports now. They're always good in basketball. Of course, we're trying to catch, you know, up to the up to the speed of the Sun Belt in baseball, but we're gonna get there. But yes, the herd is taking on Old Dominion this year for homecoming. And we've got our buddies from the ODU Monarchists to come over and help us talk about the monarchs and what this game might look like from their point of view. So on the other side of this break, just hang right with us. We've got Aaron and we've got Mike from the ODU Monarchists. They're going to join us and help us break this one down with a nice preview for Herd Homecoming. Stick with us. Russ, check it out. A couple of guys with us uh, this uh, this go around. We usually don't dive into the guests for the previews, but hey, it's Homecoming. It's a special week. And, you know, you know we kind of like the guys over at the ODU Monarchists. We do, yeah. We feel like they're very much in the same tone as we are. They do a lot of good stuff for their school. We try to do a lot of good stuff for our school. And, you know, we brought them along with us, or they brought us along with them, however you want to look at it, when we came to the Sun Belt. And boy, oh boy, I bet all four of us sitting here are really damn happy to not be in Conference USA anymore. Uh, but yeah, we've boy. got Aaron and we've got Mike from the Monarchist. Guys, first of all, thanks for joining us. And let's uh, let's preview us a, a herd homecoming, but a big game for Old Dominion as well. You guys are already tied atop the Sun Belt East Division standings. You've already played a conference game. Nice win over Louisiana, and we can talk about that a little bit if you want to, but... You know, you're right there at the top of the standings. This is our Conference USA, or shit, shit, Conference USA, Sunbelt opener, Sunbelt opener, and it happens to be homecoming. So let me uh, first say thanks for joining us this week. Thanks for having us, fellas. KD, Russ, always good to chat with y'all. 
And like you said, I, I don't know if uh, y'all brought us along or we brought y'all along, but we've got a lot in common and it's really cool and always a great time to talk with y'all. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate definitely. it. Yeah. So um, it's homecoming, right? Heard homecoming. Heard's fresh off this big win over Virginia Tech. I'm sure you guys maybe in the back of your mind felt pretty good about that one going down this past weekend too. I mean, why wouldn't you, right? Uh, Saturday, September 30th is the game. It's a 3.30 kickoff going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Old Dominion, 2-2 two and two on the season so far. I did mention they're undefeated in conference play, 1-0 and so far. Picked up a win against Louisiana. ESPN Power Index, though, guys, really likes the Herd in a home game with this one. 89.3% chance to win for the Herd. Herd now currently, according to day when I looked, minus 14, according to the Caesar Sportsbook. Over under a 46.5, which kind of puts this one in that 31-16 to 16 scoring range if you're kind of doing the math that way. This is the ninth all-time meeting between Old Dominion and the Herd. Herd owns a 7-1 and one career record against the Monarchs. They've won the last five in, the row, in a row, and they have never lost in Huntington, West Virginia. I say that to say all of this. It doesn't matter. It's 2023, and these are two completely new teams on completely new seasons, so you can throw it all out the window. Uh, some quick general stats before we get some thoughts from the guys on this game. Old Dominion and Marshall, points per game, points allowed. Old Dominion, 22.3 points per game scored so far. The Herd, just a nip over 25. Points allowed for the Monarchs, 25.8. But that ticks up a little bit when you go for FBS competition, 31.3 points per game against FBS schools. The Herd, 15.67 points per game allowed. And just that actually goes down a little bit when you take into account FBS only. 15 points per game for the Herd. Yards per game offensively for the Monarchs, 332. 107 of those coming on the ground, 225 through the air. And the Herd's gaining 395 yards per game offensively, 163 through the air. I'm sorry, 163 on the ground and 231 through the air. Yards allowed, 370 for the Monarchs, 125 allowed on the ground, 245 through the air. And 304 yards allowed for this Herd defense Really balanced, though, 145 on the ground, 158 through the air. Russ, I'll always start with you, and I'm not going to change it up this week. How do you see this one? What's your 10,000-foot view for Herd homecoming against the Monarchs? Well, before getting laser-focused in on uh, on the particulars, I do not see this being a minus-14 game for us. I see it much closer. Uh, I think this is, you know, I don't want to use the word trap game, because this is a conference foe. They are drastically improved over last year. I think that they are one play, maybe two plays away from being three and one with a win over Wake Forest. Uh, that was a great game. I watched that in its entirety. Um, I am not uh, overly confident just because of their previous game where they won 10 to nine over an FCS school. It's a one point victory. We have a four point victory, and we dissected that game and talked about how. We were actually better than that. Uh, I think they were better than that game. So I see this being a closer game than what the prognosticators are looking at. And we're going to have to play good, solid Marshall football to win this game. Yeah, it really does feel like, guys, that uh, these pros, the, the guys making the line went, wow, Marshall just took care of Virginia Tech and Old Dominion struggled against um what was it Te texas a&m commerce yeah if you just don't if you take those away if you if you just take that out of the equation these are two fairly similar teams you know you, we've been on the plus side of close games and you've just been on the other side of those close games so 
I don't think you can read too much into that spread. Aaron, let me talk. Let me start with you. What do you What do you see this one like, just from a bird's eye view? Like I just asked Russ. Russ. I agree with Russ. I mean, I think it's going to be a closer game than 14 points. I mean, obviously, it could go a number of different ways. You guys have an incredible rushing attack, and if Ali goes off, it could be difficult. But we're really we've been really good against the run, so uh, I, I'm sure that will be a focus. Uh, jokingly, uh, in our podcast, I always make the same prediction that we're going to win by three, uh, three points. Um, I think it's going to be, a, you know, within a touchdown either way in this game. I'm not sure which way, but, uh, I'm hoping for a good competitive game. Um, and hopefully the Monarchs will come out on top, but it'll be tough. Yeah, it will definitely be tough. Conference games, anyway, you can throw out the window. The whole season changes. This is not out of conference anymore. The games really matter so that you guys are at the advantage because you've already played one of those, right? And you came out on top in that one. So that everything just notches up a little bit because you drop one here and it can really come back to bite you later. So, Mike, what's this one look like to you from a bird's eye view? Well, there's a couple things here. So this is the third matchup between Ricky and Huff since they've both taken, taken over the programs. So if you're a betting man, both of those games went under. And last year was not even close to the like the total. 12 yeah. nothing Marshall wins. Um, both games were incredibly close. I don't see any reason for that to change this year. I feel like, I mean, I really respect your defense and your rushing game. But your, top, your, your strength on offense is our strength on defense. And it's going to be interesting to see how that goes against each other. Um, obviously, I'm very concerned about our offensive line and pass protection right now after the last two games. But uh, it's going to be a really interesting one. So that's an excellent segue. I have a couple of questions for you guys that we can all touch on here. And, and since you just mentioned that, Mike, that's actually the second thing I wrote down. So let's lead with that one. Can Old Dominion slow down this Marshall pass rush? Old Dominion's tie, or is not tied, but holds sole possession of 130th in the country, allowing six and a half sacks per game. And Marshall is number one in the country, getting five sacks per game. So I think that's the place you have to start. Is that the biggest disparity here, potentially? Is, is that where this game could, I don't want to say completely hinge, but it's got to be a focal point. You Not too often do you have one team here and one team here. So since you brought it up, let's start there. Can Old Dominion slow this Marshall pass rush, Mike? Yeah, the biggest issue is Ricky has said throughout the season, sacks are a team stat, especially in this new offense. It's all about not not holding on to the ball too long. Um, Grant Williams was holding on to the ball way too long these last two games and was not making quick decisions. Um, Jack comes in in relief last game. It's his first start ever, or his first playing time ever in FBS. Um, he holds on to the ball too long. He was still productive, and he was very efficient passing the ball. But those snaps that he was holding on to it too long, he was getting hit. That has to change this game, or Marshall just needs to run the ball game long, and it, it'll eventually wear on the defense. And we all know how that'll end. So, Well... It, it does 
kind of looked like it could mimic what we saw last year. That's what Marshall did. They ran and ran and just ran and, you know, get in field goal range and kick a field goal. It was an exciting game, but like you said, it's 12-point, you know, a shutout win. And, you know, it, it was probably the most non-flashy victory that you can imagine having. Four field goals and, you know. Um, Aaron, is what are you thinking? Are you hearing anything that they're – you know, we, we oftentimes hear, well, we're going to switch up the offensive line a little bit. We're going to shuffle some guys around. Is that something that's on the old Dominion radar for you? Is that is that something that may be swirling to try to get this right coming into this game? Well, obviously, some things have to change. It may not be personnel. I mean, maybe it's, it's coaching and technique. Who knows? One thing, uh, I don't know how Coach Huff is, but Ricky holds things very close to his vest. So things don't leak out about what they're changing. Um there are challenges on uh, there have been challenges along the offensive line there and we've got to we've got to do better i mean we don't even know who's going to be playing quarterback this week so that's under evaluation whether it's grant you know or it's jack you know so you know fortunately both of them both of them are very capable of leading this office and doing well i mean we saw what jack came in it's the first time he's ever played significant time in a game and grant showed earlier in the season that he's very capable of leading this offense so we don't know if he just one of those things where you know had a really bad quarter and the, the staff said you know what hey it's not your day mm-hmm. you know we're gonna we're gonna give jack some time just you know we can come back to you in another game type of deal so i i I don't know that we'll know. I don't know that anybody will know about that until Saturday, right? Right before the game. Um, but the offense has shown when it does what it needs to do that it can be very effective. I mean, it can march down the field in a number of plays, just like, you know, running five, six, seven yards a pop and really grinding on a defense or taking the head off of the defense once it gets gets the uh, that defense caught in something it doesn't want and not substituting. Mm-hmm. So when it works, it's worked really well this year. But when it hasn't, it's looked really bad. Yeah, that's fair enough, right? Because, you know, I would just assume that there was just maybe a hard switch to a quarterback because we don't follow Old Dominion like you guys do. So I had no idea that coming in that this could be a, you know, a game time type thing. It's like, all right, whoever has the best week of practice is going to start. You know, I had I just figured, well, they've made the hard switch and and here we go. Uh, Russ, I'm going to ask you, and then we're going to split these remaining questions up. Do you think Old Dominion can bottle up this very dangerous, very fast Marshall pass rush for four entire quarters? No, and I think that that's not indicative of Old Dominion. I think that's indicative of our defensive line. We call them murderer's row for a reason, right? And Mm -hmm. uh, I just don't see anyone in the country fully bottling them up for four quarters. They're going to get loose. Sam Burton's going to eat. Owen Porter's going to eat. Legs is going to eat. Gibby's going to eat. Then you've got all these others that you can sub in. Austin, and not not all these as subs, you know, they're starting. Austin, um, uh, Green, um, McCracken. You've got, I mean, we, we read eight deep of names off before we got to the first game this year. Mm-hmm. And all of them have been in and contributing, and I just don't see it happening. Um, but to go on Mike's point where he was talking about sacks being the team stat, that's something we talked about last year. You know, we uh, we blamed it on the quarterback at some time, and we saw the sacks go down when we came in with a more elusive quarterback. It was like we had to throw the short passes 
And uh, anytime that we were holding the ball a little too long because of uh, the, the quarterback's game uh, being completion percentage and high efficiency, we saw a lot of sacks come our way. And we were saying this is not necessarily an offensive line issue. We're racking up 200 yards a game and rushing. You know, the guys were blocking well. They were just, it's almost like you steal on the pitcher and it's not the catcher's fault. The same thing here. So uh, we have seen this before. We've also seen a transfer of offensive coordinators and a new system coming in. If you remember when Doc's first year, when he came in, totally different going with the uh, spread offense that we brought in, it was a learning curve. And you've got that here with Old Dominion as well. So it's nothing that is shocking to anyone that it's going to take a few games for everybody to to see it take place and get the guys in there and that sort of thing. And quarterback. Yeah. Um, sometimes you have a short case of the yips where it's a one game deal or half a game and it just gets in their head or they're just not throwing as well. Uh, he got pulled in early in the second quarter after his third pick and they brought in shields and uh, we've been there, you know, we've seen that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say that, without knowing their program like they do, that it probably is going to come down to whoever has the most confidence in practice and has Grant Wilson regained that confidence and showing it in practice or has uh, Jack Shields passed him up. You know, you just, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, but we now have to game plan for two quarterbacks, much like we did against Virginia tech, even though we kind of knew it was going to be drones in that situation. Yeah, and I have to take a stab at this too, and I agree with what you were saying, Russ. This is less about what Old Dominion is doing and more about what our guys can do. You named off six, seven, eight guys, and you didn't get to guys like Eli Neal and Stephen Dix Jr. and J.J. Roberts. You know, well, I was going so, defensive line only. Right, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. So these weapons can come at you from all over the place. It doesn't just have to be the Owen Porters and the Sam Burtons who are just having great years anyway. So you got to look at it and you say, well, hell, five sacks is an average game for Marshall because that's the average. So if you can hold them to the average or maybe even under, I think that's a win, especially if you guys are sitting here going, we've got to get it figured out in pass pro. We haven't been able to figure it out yet. So if you look, these are big numbers, yeah, but if you can hold them under their season average, I'd take that as a win and see if you can you know, put together enough other positive momentum plays to just – you know, kind of negate that factor of the game for the herd. Uh, let's let's go this way, guys. Which old Dominion's going to travel? That's a big question. You got to come on the road and face the herd. So, which old Dominion travels? Is it the one that goes tooth and nail with Wake Forest, or is it the turnover-prone team from a week ago? Which way are you trending, Aaron? Which one shows up in Huntington this weekend? I think it's going to be the Wake Forest one. Uh, after this week, I truly believe the guys are going to be hungry. Um, I think this game is going to leave a really bad taste in their mouth, and they've got a lot to prove. Also going to be getting a lot of guys back that didn't play this week. I mean, our top receivers didn't play this week. They're you know nicked up, and it sounds like pretty much everyone who didn't play is going to be available. Our starting running back also didn't play. Keyshawn Wicks was in a car accident uh, earlier in the week. Luckily, he was okay, but it was one of those things where I think they just kept him out as a precaution. Um, so I think it's going to be much more like the the Wake Forest crew as opposed to the one that played Commerce. 
Well, we're certainly hoping so, right? Because we as Herd fans want the best team that you can bring us. That I think any competitor wants that. You want best on best at all times. Mike, are you feeling the same way? Is this more of the Wake Forest weak Old Dominion squad than the one we just saw this past weekend? Oh, yeah. So one thing to note about the quarterbacks, no matter who plays, they're, they're very similar. Both can run. Um, both are efficient passers that are um, – there's not much difference between the two of them, and that's why the switch happened so quickly. In prior years, we didn't have two of the same quarterbacks, so they were a lot more reluctant to go with the hook. Um, so you don't really have to prepare for two guys. You're getting the same guy either way. It, it's just who is more effective at that time. Um, what we've seen with Jack is he's a more accurate passer. Um, Grant had, had struggled with uh, overthrows all season long. The only time it really didn't uh, affect him was against Louisiana, where we lit the scoreboard up for 38 points. Um, he gets Javon Harvey back this week, who is a weapon. He gets Isaiah Page, who is a weapon. Jordan Bly, who is the fastest guy on the team. And saying that is really important because we have Dom Dutton, who was an all-SEC freshman track runner. That dude can burn, like – Louisiana was just hugging him in the secondary because they couldn't stop him. Like they, they didn't know what to do. So we got some weapons on the, on the edge and all of them are back this week. So I'm optimistic. It's going to be a fun game, I think. And it's really going to tell us how, I mean, you mentioned it. We're, we're kind of in this growing period with this new offense and especially with this offense, it's a timing offense. And the routes are not predetermined. They're running to space. So it it takes a lot for the quarterback and the receivers to be on the same page and have that chemistry. And who has that chemistry this week will determine how well we play. So I I think we got a shot here, but we're going up against the best defense in the the Sun Belt, I think. Um, It's going to be a really good challenge this week for us. Well, I don't, I don't think you're going to get any arguments from Russ and I on fielding the best defense in the con- in the. Damn, I said it again. The Sun Belt Conference. I really can't. You guys are bringing the Conference USA out in me, and I'm not appreciating that. Don't, I just got to say it right yeah. now. Don't 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 put that on us. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to walk. We have, we have I'm left them behind. <laughs> I'm going to a different podcast if you bring up Conference USA one more time. I can't promise that I won't, but, you know. Uh, Russ, I got one question for you, and, and it seems to be an important one because we were in this scenario last year, and we saw what happened last year. The big difference is we're not going on the road after the big, quote-unquote, upset win, even though this win over Virginia Tech was not an upset. Uh, but it begs the question, do, do, do you think the herd will have the Virginia Tech hangover as we head into homecoming, or do you think – Nope, we've learned the lesson from last year, and this is not happening again. Too many people from the team last year saw what can happen, and they are on that team this year still. Um, but again, I, I mean, I don't think any player – I think that's something that the media or the fans come up as calling it the hangover and everything. I don't think any player went up there to Bowling Green and was just like, oh, we're world beaters now. We don't have to practice hard. I think that that's uh, that's something that's been manifested by others. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we saw and talked about. You know, we had two fumbles inside the five yard line. Mm-hmm. That game is a drastically different game. We had an injury that the coach talked about that we didn't know at the time. 
uh, where, you know, our secondary, they exploited it once they saw that. And uh, they threw some bombs and got back into the game. Uh, it just, I don't believe in that, that our players went up to Bowling Green and thought all they had to do was get off the bus or off the plane to win that game. Mm-hmm. So I also think that that is enough of a reminder for them to be hungry. I don't think Coach Huff lets them forget any of that stuff. The post game, uh, he was interviewed and said, you know, Coach, whatever he said, we're one and zero this mm-hmm. week. Now we're on to the next game. One and zero. We got one game each week, and that's what they're trying to do. Nothing that we did in the Albany game mattered for Virginia Tech, and nothing we did in Virginia Tech is going to matter against ODU. Yeah, that's true. And, and I say that because, you know, we did see it firsthand last year and fo- f- fans are just going to keep talking about it. It's almost like some fans are looking for a reason for this herd team to trip up, right? They're just looking for it. And if you want to come up with another reason, well, you guys are sandwiched right in the perfect scenario, right between Virginia Tech and North Carolina State. So while while fans are probably looking up both ends of those three-game stretch, players are not. You know, you heard Owen Porter say it everybody's good, we're good, they're good, spot the damn ball, right? And that's what it is. That's the mentality, spot and play football. They know they, they're not going to get anything handed to them. You know, if you're called a contender in the East, people want to take you down. And and, and even if you're not, people want to take you down. This is going to be a hard-fought game, guys. Don't even think this is going to be a walkthrough. It is not going to be a walkthrough. I mean, for crying out loud, we are number one in some team stats individually old dominion has some ncaa leaders on their defense and we're going to talk about that so that let's move into some of these players that we've got to look out for guys i asked you to get when we were getting ready for the game to have a couple of guys ready for me so herd fans need to know about i've got a nice list here just in case we don't cover those that uh we i may have written down but aaron give me uh give me as a herd fan uh, a couple of guys on offense, maybe one, two, that uh, we absolutely need to be aware of and have to try to take out of this game in order to thwart what the Monarchs are trying to do offensively. All right, I'll give you two. The first one is Keyshawn Wicks, our starting running back. Uh, this offense, everything is predicated on being able to run the ball and assuming that Keyshawn's back in the lineup, and I'm you know, fairly confident that he will be, uh, he'll be a guy that you want to stop. I mean, he's going to be our workforce. He's carried the ball 42 times for 209 yards and average five yards a carry. So he's a strong dude. Um, from the receiver standpoint, man, we've got a lot of guys that can go off at any given time. Um, you know, I'll just pick the most recent one that folks may have heard because of this last game, Kelby Williams. Uh, I think Kelby had seven catches for 197 yards in the last game. And that's with a really uh, – Thank you, eight, uh, with a really dysfunctional offense going. Um, so those those are the two that I'll give right now on offense and save the the great stuff for Mike. <laughs> well, I got to uh, piggyback off of what you're saying. Keyshawn Wicks, of course, leads the team in carries and rush yards. You did mention that. Uh, the thing I found odd is between Wicks and – help me pronounce this name. Is it Roche or Roshi? Your, your other running back, is it Devin Roche or Roshi? How about Roche? Roche, good enough. How is it that neither one of these guys have found the end zone yet in this young season? That to me is odd. You've put up a lot of points in some games, but none of neither of the running backs have found 
a uh, found the end zone on the ground. And you mentioned Kelby Williams also leading the team in receptions this season with 13 and yards with 260 total. He does also have a touchdown on his resume. That's good for 20 yards per reception. Mike, give me a couple of guys offensively that we also need to know out for look out for as herd fans. Uh, Javon Harvey, he went absolutely off against Wake Forest. Uh, he sat out this last week. Um, I I assume he's going to come out here motivated and ready to play. And hopefully, because he had a really rough game against Virginia Tech, which lost him a lot of snaps against Louisiana. And he came out motivated against Wake Forest and went off. I expect something similar um, or hope for something similar this weekend. Raymelo Murphy has been consistent all season. He's been our, probably our most productive game in and game out. Um, both are fantastic receivers that are, are offering a um, a deep threat, really, because both can go off at any moment. Yeah, I've got a. I cannot go on without talking about uh, Javon Haney and, <laughs> and that ridiculous yards per reception total. He's got three receptions on the season, 166 yards, all of which came against Wake Forest, and he does have a touchdown, 55.3 yards per reception. I mean, I know there's going to be some kind of minimum receptions to lead the country and something, but 55 yards. Holy moly, this guy's getting it done. And you mentioned Romello Murphy, also tied for the team lead with two touchdowns on the season and also no slouch in the yards per reception category with 22.4. All three guys, receivers that you featured, are over or 20 yards or over per reception. And I guess the only guy that we didn't talk about is a quarterback because we're not sure who it is, but I'm just going to go with the guy that you know finished the game last week, and that's number eight quarterback Jack Shields. The uh, 6'1", 198-pound sophomore, he's 14-20 on the season for 258 yards and a touchdown. Um, here's the thing with this Old Dominion offense, right? You've scored 11 games or 11 touchdowns through four games. You mentioned the uh, problems along the offensive line with pass protection. And the, the like, it, it seems like you guys are far more pass-heavy. Is that fair to say? Does it, are you more pass-heavy? Is that the type of offense you like to run? Or is it just what the stats are allowing right now? Uh, it's what the defense is allowing you. So uh, it's it's an RPO offense, but based on what's in the box, you're going to either throw or you're going to pass. And um, they're stacking the box a lot and kind of giving us the option to pass and hoping they can get to the quarterback before we can get to the receiver. Um, okay. Uh it, it 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 boggles me a little bit because the top two rushers and, and I did not know that Mr. Wicks was out and didn't play this year or this week, but the top two rushers only three hundred and sixty seven combined yards, you know, with no rushing TDs, and that's that's a point of concern for me coming as a as a Marshall fan whose bread and butter is to run the football, you know that we we, we cannot you know rely on drop back passing and forty and fifty pass attempts a game to try to get the job done. We need Rasheen Ali to have a solid day, even if it's a sub one hundred yard rushing game. You see what he can do. The the fourth quarter against East Carolina will show you that. Russ, we talked about some of these guys for this Old Dominion offense. What does this offense say to you uh, from your herd-minded defensive standpoint? Yeah, uh, one, I believe in our defense, but I think that this uh, offense is much better than what we're seeing here on these stats, and a lot of that is injuries. A lot of that's different circumstances. Uh, he, they just mentioned three receivers in Bly, Page, and Harvey. 
man, Harvey did absolutely go off in that game that I watched, and no one was stopping him. Um, you know, he had uh, a long of 68 in that game. Well, that means that his other two receptions went for 98 yards, <laughs> yeah. you know. So it's not like the 68 was an outlier. No. He just absolutely went off. They have the ability to do that. Their top two uh, running backs, Wicks and Roche, are getting five and 7.9 yards per carry. Uh, it, it just seems like there just needs to be more of get the ball in these playmakers' hands. Uh, and with people being injured, I mean, if you have three top receivers out, how easy is that to try to stifle these running backs? Mm -hmm. How easy is that for a quarterback to maybe force a couple of throws? I didn't watch the game. I wasn't able to watch. I don't know if they were bad throws. I don't know if they were forced. I don't know if they were tip balls. But three interceptions is uh, in one and a third quarters is uncharacteristic of anybody on this roster, and it you can't count on that to happen two games in a row. So – I know that they, uh, just looking at the stats here, even though that um, sacks are included in these uh, rush attempts for the quarterbacks, um, Grant Wilson is tied for the team lead in rushes with 42. Now, I know sacks, like I said, are, are part of that. And Shields comes in, and he has 11, even though sacks are included in that, in just over half of a game. So, what do we struggle with so far this year? All three games, we've given up a lot of yardage to the rushing quarterbacks. So yep. it's a little scary to me that they are going to have these weapons fully healthy and back. And again, it's not going to be that 10 to 9 versus TAMC game last week. It's a totally different offense that we're going to face. Yeah. I would I would agree, and and we have seen Marshall struggle early, in, very early in games. They have to settle in. This mm -hmm. this defense has to maybe just get hit a couple of times before they settle in. We saw Virginia Tech kind of go down the field on them, and and you're right, Russ. At least once a game, we've seen a quarterback bust a run on this herd defense, and they found the end zone a couple of times doing that as well. So it's a, it's a point to pay attention to. You know, with with a lot of these old Dominion um, weapons returning, let's shift gears now and talk defense. This is where the Monarchs just simply can't hide talent. It's there. You you can't shield it, and it's going to start up uh, up front and in the middle of the defense. And I know who you guys are going to feature, but I'm going to let one of you just go ahead and steal the thunder because hey, he's your guy. You deserve to talk about him. So, Mike, let's start with you this time. Give me a couple of guys on defense that we as herd fans must know about. Well, we have to start off with Jason Henderson, um, everyone's favorite All-American. Uh, he led the nation in tackles last year. He's second right now, I believe, but he's uh, first in tackles per game. Uh, he's second in uh, tackles for loss per, per game. Um, he's amazing in the run game, which is your strength, and – He's not the only linebacker that we have that is really good in the run game. Wayne Matthews and EJ Green are also fantastic tacklers in the run game. Um, but the other guy I want to focus on is Terry Jones. He's a safety. He's a, I think he's ninth in the country in tackles right now. Amazing in the run game. Um, those two are my stars this year. Um, they've made it hard for everybody to run on us, and it's it's been fun to watch. 
Yeah, I'm going to tell you what, man. I'm going to credit you a little bit more. I was on the NCAA website, and they're saying Mr. Henderson is in sole possession of total tackles this year. So, I don't, or no, you're right, tackles per game. He's leading tackles per game with 15, second in total tackles, 60 total tackles for Mr. Henderson. You just can't get away from this guy. Hopefully, Ali can get a burst and somebody can get a chip on him and Gosh, we can get to that third level, uh, but uh, the junior is lighting it up. 60 total tackles, 17 of those solo, a sack and a half is tied for the team lead with Old Dominion. Uh, and you mentioned Terry Jones. I'm going to back up, uh, piggyback off of that. 40 total tackles for Mr. Jones from the safety spot. Nine of those solo and the team lead with passes defended with three. Aaron, give me a couple of guys that Mike left off that we absolutely need to know about. Mike hit some really good ones and stole a little bit of my thunder. But uh, I'm going to have the first one I'm going to have to go with is Lamarian James. So, cornerback, he's had two really big games. Uh, the game against, uh, or two two weeks ago, yeah, he had a fumble recovery for a touchdown and he had an interception for a touchdown. And I, I, don't know. It looks like you you guys don't allow very many uh, kickoffs to be returned. I think when we looked at it before, Mike, you only had like two all season. Um, if you guys kick to him, you should fire the special teams coordinator. Um, <laughs> I hope you do kick to him because he is extremely dangerous returning kicks. He's the first guy. Um, you know, there there are a number of others. If we, you know, I think we're going to have to get to Fancher. And one guy that Mike didn't mention that can make a difference is Amori Morrison. Um, you know, he could he, he can find ways to generate some pressure on the quarterback. And if he gets to him, you know, find a, a propensity to kind of you know, dislodge that ball and, you know, give a guy like Lamarian a chance to recover is what happened the other day. Um, but just as a bonus thing, we think this game's going to be close. And I know he's not on defense. He's a special teamer. But Ethan Sanchez, our place kicker, he's a good kicker. He's young, uh, but he's got a good leg. And if it comes down to it, I trust him on, you know, making a kick in a close game. So that's another point we need to talk about because Marshall is absolutely struggling in the kicking game. We've played two kickers so far this year. Neither one is perfect. Both are kind of struggling to find their way and, and separate. So having a kicker like Sanchez, and I've got his stats here, he's four of six on field goals with a long of 49 and a perfect on uh, extra points, 11 for 11. Uh, Marshall's two kickers each has nailed one, but we've had a kick block and two misses. So it's a very spotty thing. This year, it's the same one of the same kickers as last year. So you might think, hey, in a 12 nothing game last year, you should feel pretty good about it. Well, I don't feel as good about it this year. I feel like Marshall's going to have to score touchdowns when they're down there in that striking range and not settle for field goals. Let me touch on a couple of team stats that I've got to talk about. We talk about these every week, and that's some things that can be some difference makers. We're going to talk about penalties, Old Dominion, another fairly disciplined team, only averaging about four and a half to uh, five penalties per game for only 46 penalty yards. It's pretty good. Time of possession, though, is one that is a little concerning if you're a Monarchs fan. Uh, you got to light up a little bit if you're a Herd fan. Time of possession for the Monarchs, 24-42 on average. That's 128th in the country. Marshall is uh, just over 30 minutes per game. So not a huge disparity, but when you're talking about five and a half minutes, I mean, that's a couple of drives when you have a quick strike offense. Third down conversions, 
Old Dominion's pretty good. 21 out of 51, 41% on the season, tied for 66 in the country. Heard not so well. Tied for one or 120th, yeah, tied for 120th, only 31%, 12 out of 38 on the year for conversions for the herd. Third down defense, though, Marshall really shines. Uh, the Monarchs are 49th on third down defense, 30, allowing opponents 36.5%, 23 out of 63, the herd number four in the country in that category. 11 out of 46 for their opponents, good for only 23.9% of the time. First down breakdown, we'd like to talk about this one too. Old Dominion has tallied 68 on the season, and boy, oh boy, they're the most even of anybody this season that we faced, Russ. 31 through the through the uh, or on the ground, 30 through the air, and seven by way of penalty. The disparity has been much more for other teams. You really just don't know how the Old Dominion Monarchs are gonna pick up their first downs. They can do it either way, guys. How about a keys to the victory for your squad, Aaron? Let's start with you. Give me a couple keys to victory to have Old Dominion ruin homecoming for the herd and walk out of Huntington with a win. All right, I'll give one on offense and one on defense. Okay. On offense, on offense, we've got to successfully uh, pick up yards on first down and second down. We cannot be in third and long because you guys will just eat us alive based upon what we've seen recently. So we've got to, uh, whether we're running or passing the ball, we've got to be third and manageable situations where we're not passing. Um, on, on defense, we have to make you guys throw the ball. Um, Rashina Lee scares me. Cam Fancher does not scare me. Um, so we, you know, if we can do enough to shut down the run and really kind of put y'all in third and third and five, third and six, third and seven sort of situations, then I think we give ourselves a real chance to get off the field and be able to score some points on offense, hopefully. Hard to argue, right? Everybody knows that you gotta the way to slow down the herd offense is by stopping Rasheen Ali. Mike, what's the monarchs got to do to get a dub in this one? We got to protect the ball, and I mean he nailed it on the defensive side. We got to we got to stop Rasheen, and we got to force you guys to try to throw. If we can do to, do those two things, uh, we got a shot. Turnover battles key in every game. Um, it's kind of cliche to say it, but it's going to come down huge in this one, especially with how Old Dominion's play this year. We're either turning it over a lot or not at all, and it's it's really going to be key here. I think. Fair enough. Uh, Russ, the consensus seems to be that they want to make Fancher beat him through the air. What are, you, what are a couple of keys to victory for you for the herd to this week? I've got four. Do you want to go back and forth like we usually do? I'll sure. start off number one, sack the quarterback murderer's <laughs> row, baby. We've got to get pressure on the quarterback. We've got to get tackles for loss in the backfield, but we really have got to uh, get to them, sack them, get them off their game, and hopefully that will lead to some poor decisions, try to throw the ball, uh, get rid of it quicker, and uh, maybe jumble up this offense, uh, get them out of rhythm, and get a couple of picks. Yeah, this is – you know how I do this. These are not in any order, and get to the quarterback is absolutely one of mine, so I'm going to talk about it right now. Like I mentioned earlier in the episode, you just rarely have a team that's at the bottom of the country in one category, and the team – and another team is on the at the top of the country on the other side of that same category. So you absolutely have to get to the damn quarterback. 
We've seen Sam Burton have a lot of success early in this season. We've seen Owen Porter. We've seen Tyquez Legs be able to get to the quarterback. And we didn't even, like we said, talk about Eli Neal breaking through last, last week for a sack. J.J. Roberts can come up and hit you. Micah Abraham can even get to you. So there, I expect Coach Seymour and Morrison and Ralph Street and, uh, you know, even Coach Jackson dialing up those blitzes, getting creative with the pass rush. They know that this is an issue, so you might as well exploit it. You absolutely have to sack the damn quarterback this week. What's your number two? Run the football. Um, we they, They've got a great run defense, so we have to establish that run. We have to get Rasheen Ali uh, more like what we saw in this Virginia Tech game to where there's not as many tackles for loss in the backfield. They've got uh, some guys that can absolutely get up there in Henderson uh, and the others that were mentioned there, we have to be able to get three or four yards at a minimum before these guys get in to try to tackle us. Uh, we have to run early. We have to run often, and we can't have a slow start with the rush game like we did at ECU and Albany, uh, for that matter, as well. My number two is a lot of like what you said, but it's play herd football, right? You've heard the guys talk about it for the past couple of weeks. They play a faceless opponent. They are competing against the standard. That's what they're playing against in Huntington, West Virginia. So if they play their game, they feel like they can beat anybody. They don't look to see who's lining up across from them. It's a faceless opponent. They want to be better than they were yesterday and compete at a higher level than the standard that is set out for them. So if they run the football and play great defense, this herd football team will absolutely win on homecoming because that's the way they're built. So if their strengths are played out, then they have we have no reason to believe that they won't win the football game. Russ, what's your number three? Number three, I don't care that it is a cliche. Uh, like Mike said, you have to win this turnover battle. I expect that there's going to be some turnovers on both sides. We absolutely cannot turn the ball over more than they are. I think this is going to be a closer game than, like I said, the predicting uh, has gone. And we have got to protect the football. We cannot turn it over, especially on a short field give them an opportunity to put some points on the board, we absolutely have to take care of it. Consequently, we're going to need to force turnovers. We have not been doing that like we did last year. We have two interceptions, uh, both by Micah Abraham, both late in the game of ECU, and we have one fumble recovery. That's not going to do it. We have got to force some turnovers in this game. Yeah, I agree. My number three is control the football. I just talked about the disparity in time of possession this season for Old Dominion and their opponents, and Marshall was right around hovering that 30-minute per game mark anyway. So just on averages, uh, it's around plus five minutes for the herd anyway. So if they can string together an extra drive or two and keep that Old Dominion offense on the sideline, this plays right into their hands. The game gets shorter. We all know now that the game is shorter anyway with the newer clock rules. So a running football team has even more of an advantage. And if you're putting up points on top of it, uh, on top of that, that's just butter, baby. It's control the football and squirrel away the game. You're not trying to run out clock in the first half, but... If that's your game, if you're getting four, five, six yards of carry, why deviate, right? Um, so, Russ, what's your final key to victory for the herd? Well, here's the kicker. We need the kicker. Kicker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we do not have a field goal 
30 yards and longer this year. That is a huge concern. Mm-hmm. We've had a block. We've had two, one wide right, one wide left. If this is going to be a close game and we're going to need every point that we can get, we cannot have one, two, three misses. We have got to hit our field goals in this game. Absolutely. I agree. My final key to victory is the herd's got to play from ahead. An early score, an early two scores, a 10-point, 14-point lead allows – you to start to settle in and do more of what you want to do. You're not playing catch-up. Conversely, it may force Old Dominion to try to get out of their normal offense to try to get some points onto the board, all while the herd is just running and maybe that clock stays going. So a couple of early scores with a couple of quick three and outs, I think that's going to go a long way early into getting the herd a victory. Guys, let's talk about an MVP. Aaron, we know we're on opposite sides of the field for this one, and it's all right, but you can have an MVP too. You guys can tell us who's got to be the man to win the game for Old Dominion. Who you got this week? Whoever plays quarterback. Okay. Not turning the ball over, playing within himself, operating the offense, and getting the ball out quick. If we win quarterback has to be the MVP because they're going to spread it around to, you know, whatever wide receiver we got a couple good running backs. It's, it's either got to be Jack or it's got to be Grant. Yeah. Fair enough. Usually QB one is the man with the most responsibility. So it's a great pick. Mike, who's your guy this week? All right. Before I go there, I just want to know that it's clear that Huff and Ronnie have a lot of the same mantras as you said, faceless opponent and want to know, <laughs> And those are things you hear constantly coming out of the ODU locker room. It's it's no secret that they're great friends and they're mm-hmm. James Franklin, former staff members. But yeah, I, I got a kick out of hearing both of those today. So uh, <laughs> uh, I, it's probably going to be a receiver for us if it's going to be anybody. Um, it seems like each time one of them has a good game, they go absolutely crazy. So um Good chance that it could be the quarterback, and it needs to be the quarterback, but um, let's say uh, Javon Harvey goes off. Well, somebody does have to be on the receiving end of those passes, right? So, stands to reason, might as well go with the guy who's good for what? Guys, is, is, is 55 yards to catch. 55 yards. <laughs> yeah, let me check my notes here. 55.3 yards. Wow. Check notes. That's good. <laughs> I, I will say, I will say, while you guys are busy – covering Kelby, Javon, and Romello. Don't forget about Dominic Dutton. That's right. The I track mean, star. He, he had the game. Yeah, he had the game winner last week. He's got 22, you know, 22 yards per reception, a couple touchdowns, and he single-handedly caused that defender to blow his hamstring when he realized that his ass was beat. <laughs> was it a was it a was it an actual hamstring injury was or was it a hamstring by pride? That oh was no, it was it was it was legit. It was legit. <laughs> Reminds Russ, you of Randy Moss on Revis. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Russ, uh, who's your MB, MVP this week for the herd? Who's got to get it done? Oh, uh, let's see. Let me throw something at the dartboard and go with Rasheen Ali for the <laughs> uh, consecutive whatever week. Yeah. Uh, we're going to keep running him until we can't run him on on who the MVP is. Uh, I don't. I don't see that changing in this game. He has got to have a huge game. He's got to hit pay dirt two or three times. And if he does that, 
puts up a buck 50 and two or three touchdowns, uh, it's Rasheen Ali for me. Yeah, I think it has to be Rasheen Ali. He has to have the big game or at least the productive game to move the chains every now and again. He's all He's been good so far in every game for the breakaway touchdown. The shortest one on the season has been, or the shortest breakaway long run has been 30 yards. So it's been 50-plus both the other games. He also had a 61-yarder against Virginia Tech where he got tracked down a little bit. But it's just you think you've got him bottled up, and then all it takes is a sliver, and he's gone. So he has to have that game. Conversely, I'm going to toss in a defensive MVP too because why not? I think it's going to be Sam Burton this week. The, uh, the, the, the great season continues for Sam, and as Russ pointed out, for all the pub that Owen Porter gets because of how great he is, it may surprise some people to know that Sam Burton is actually edged in front of him in the career sack totals at Marshall. And he goes vastly under the radar for a lot of fans. So that just goes to show you that it's not, well, we can stop Owen Porter and we will be okay. Nope, you've got another guy right on the other edge that's just as productive in his herd career. So from a defensive standpoint, give me Sam Burton. Russ, do you have a score prediction? this week i do and it's not 66 to 7 like uh, coach huff called me out on for the (laughs) albany game uh it is much lower both in the over under and in the uh spread i'm going 21 17 in a very very close game wow all right mike uh score prediction time what do you got this week that is the same exact score i picked on our show on sunday night um, I had Old Dominion winning. Obviously, I am hoping to paint a picture that everything we need to happen happens. Um, there's a sh- there's a good likelihood that it doesn't happen. So I do think that's a re- great pick, Russ, and it's hard to argue with. Um, but I think this passing game kind of clicks. It's got to click eventually, and I'm hoping it's this week. So. <laughs> And well, just I'm, to clarify, Mike, I'm picking Marshall to win. I, mean, <laughs> I know what you're picking, and I'm saying it's hard to argue with. Yeah, yeah. I got the same score. I'm just saying opposite teams. Yeah, oh, I, I know, am, I know. I just I got to clarify for for everybody. I'm going Marshall 21-17. I am a hundred percent okay with your passing game finally getting it clicking, but uh, two weeks from now, if if you don't mind, <laughs> two weeks. Now. Aaron, what's your score prediction for the game this weekend? I say why not us? Uh, I'm I was really close to. What Mike said, uh, I'm going 2017 Old Dominion uh, comes down close to the end. And, uh, you know, we talked about the battle of the kickers. And I think it comes down to a field goal. And, I, you know, I've got confidence that Ethan Sanchez will knock that in. Uh, it might be his first game winner on the road. Why not this week? Why not this week? Well, I'll tell you why not this week. Because it's our homecoming, damn it. And I want to win. That's why not this week. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going a little bit more... Um, Point heavy for the herd, 27 to 16 in this one because I think the herd's a little PO'd that they left some points off of the vo- off of the board against Virginia Tech, and they don't want to have that happen because everybody's talking about the bowling green hangover from last year, and they want to leave no doubt this week. And and also put on a good showing as they head into the final out of conference game. They want to be one and zero and leave no doubt in the Sun Belt Conference. It's got to happen this week for us in front of the homecoming crowd. Give me 27 for the herd, 16 for the Monarchs, a happy homecoming, and everybody in Huntington smiles once again. Guys, is there anybody uh, from your crew heading to Huntington for the game this weekend? 
I'm going to take that as a no. <laughs> I was going to say, unfortunately, I, I don't believe so. Uh, you know, after three home games in a row, and Mike and I went to uh, Blacksburg, and so did so did Gary. Uh, I think the honeydew list is too long, and the wives need us home. So this year we can't. We'd love to be able to go up there and crash your, your tailgate. But we'll be watching on the TV and hopefully not scaring the dogs too much. Well, okay, fair enough. Uh, for anybody from Old Dominion that is making the trip, that does catch this episode, you can go to the Thundercast YouTube channel. We have a video down in our content that is a basically a guide to your game day experience where you can get tickets, you can learn the best ways to get tickets, buy gear, where to tailgate, where to park, great eateries around town, and uh, we talk about hotels and stuff too, so that's down there for you to find. Guys, we can't get you out of here with talking about what it is that you do, because herd fans are going to listen to this, and they need to know that there are other like-minded podcasts around the conference that are trying to do a lot of what we're doing, and guys, you guys outpace the hell out of us in some categories, so I want you to boast about that too, because Russ and I are really envious of some of the things that you guys are able to do, and uh, we would like to be able to get our fan base mobilized in a way that you have in some capacity because, you know, the dollars for Dingers thing is absolutely amazingly awesome. And I want to put a light on that. I want our fans to know that it is possible that you guys do that. So can we. So talk about uh, the Monarchists, uh, the, the idea behind the Monarchists, who you are and what you do for Old Dominion, if you wouldn't mind. So the Monarchists started kind of as a – kind of compassionate group when we were really struggling in football. Um, we got together. Um, we started thinking about how we could have an impact. And one of those is fundraising. Um, we helped raise money after ODU beat Virginia Tech the first time with the 49-35 fundraiser. And that kind of kicked off this idea when we had a great baseball season. Why don't we uh, donate a dollar for every home run? And it kind of went wild that first season. We raised over $10,000, and it's continued the last three years to just keep raising more and more money. Uh, we do an annual Toys for Tots fundraiser that we take a lot of pride in. Um, last year was really successful. We collected over $1,000 in one day and uh, hundreds and hundreds of toys. I think they had to – it filled a tank, an actual AA – An actual – yeah, actual tank. And um, I think two or three carloads of just toys. It was pretty amazing. And we're just doing that at the tailgate lot at a football game. Uh, so anyone can do that. Um, and we've, I think we helped raise $30,000 for the football team to send students to the bowl game. So that was a short, that was a very short turnover, of maybe a week of fundraising. So we're doing this all on social media. It doesn't take much. All it does is take a couple people that believe and others to, to fall behind. I think the, the, the fundraising aspect of what the monarchists do is it's really amazing to me, you know, that you guys are able to, like you say, from the tailgate lots, like it's no big deal, you know, but it is a big deal. These are tens of thousands of dollars on multiple projects across several years. You've, de you've developed quite a reputation you know, and, and not just Norfolk and the surrounding areas, like in, you know, it's spread all the way to Huntington and hell, I'm in Florida. So I know about it, you know, and, and it's impressive. You know, Russ and I would love to be able to motivate and, and mobilize our fan base to do some of the same things, right? We, we're, I know you guys love baseball. 
uh, your program's always really strong, and we know that Marshall's trying to get on that upswing when it comes to baseball. We finally got a ballpark opening up. We saw the photos of the new turf that went down, and just yesterday they debuted that uh, you know on-the-field print that it's going to be Jack Cook Field on the field, and it looks great. So I know that you guys are happy for us in that capacity, right? A lot of folks are, but, man, it, I, I just I love that it's not just about let's have a podcast and talk about the football game, you know, because it's more with Russ and I, and I'm, I love that it's more about more than just that with you guys too. Um, tell us, everybody that is interested, where they can follow and keep abreast of what all the monarchists are doing. Give us all the social media links, the websites, everything you got. We want to know about them. And we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, ODU Monarchist, odumonarchist.com. It's a website that launched in late August. Uh, we've got lots of great blog content coming from, you know, Mike, Gary Williams, David Asbury. I haven't got on there yet, but I will once I actually have a good idea at some point. Um, those are the those are the big places you can find us. Um, it's easy. It's easy to reach out and touch. One thing I want to add about that, the fundraising stuff is, you know, we've really worked hard on it, but we've been very lucky to build strong relationships with our coaches and our um, athletics staff, the administration. And with the last Toys for Tots drive, our women's tennis coach, Don Manila, he actually loved the idea and he rallied a number of the coaches, the head coaches on staff to help us put a video together to drive up interest for Toys for Tots that was shown on the football field. Um, you know, Ricky, Ronnie, both Jeff Jones and Delisha Milton Jones are basketball coaches, so tennis coaches, sailing coaches. They all got in on it to help us out. So it's a true community effort to to really be able to to fundraise both inside the school and then out for the community here in Hampton Roads. Man, that's really awesome. I, I I am I can't say that enough. It's 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 humbling to know that Russ and I might be able to have that kind of an impact, you know, because Huntington's a great community, Marshall's a great school. And we we say it all the time, we feel like the two luckiest fans in the entire damn fan base because we get to do this and, and meet great people like you guys and talk to players and coaches and all that kind of stuff. But it's the stuff that we try to do, you know, away from the podcast, buying tickets, donating tickets, you know, sending people to bowl games, all that kind of, that's what's really fun for us, you know. So I got to say thank you for joining us this week. Guys, uh, Mike, let me start with you. If you've got any final words to say as you head into homecoming week for the herd, let me have them, and then we'll get some from Aaron, and I'll get you guys the heck out of here. I hope all the herd has a safe and happy homecoming. Um, and if you like basketball, we do have a basketball podcast with Coach Jeff Jones. Uh, we taped tonight. We should have that up in the next couple of days. So go Monarchs. Super cool. That is super cool, man. Aaron, what do you got for me? No, Mike Mike read my mind. Uh, that was the other thing we failed to say is we, we do do that podcast all season long with, with Coach Jones, and we have a player on every week as well. Um, if someone's interested and wants to uh, listen to our podcast, we're on all your favorite podcast apps, and it can be found on the website as well. Like Mike said, uh, hopefully it's a great game. I hope we come at it uh, – you know, on top. But the most important thing is that all the players and coaches on both sides uh, come out healthy and uh, have a great rest of the season. Guys, we can't thank you enough for joining us and previewing the game. 
uh, against the herd and the, the herd against the monarchs for homecoming. It's been really awesome. Uh, you guys bring a, a lot of insight for your team, things we did not know about. The average herd fan is most definitely not going to know about. So thank you so much for joining us this week. But for now, Russ, we got to get out of here. Go Monarchs. Man, it was really awesome uh, having those guys from the Monarchs on to help us preview the herd homecoming game. You know, you guys, three of you, all three of you like it to be a really close game. I like it to be a little bit more of a one-sided herd victory, but still not definitely not a blowout. I don't like it to be that. I just, I've got a bad feeling that it's going to be that way. Uh, I, it, it could just as easily go uh, the opposite and we cover that spread that is mm -hmm. growing. Uh, I just uh, don't want to jinx us. I don't want to be complacent. And I think that it very well could be that tight game that we're kind of predicting me and the other guys. Yeah, it very well could be, right? Marshall doesn't seem like the team right now that's just going to blow your doors off because every week something happens. They leave points on the board. It's a turnover here. Keep a team in the game. So until that trend breaks, you got to expect that it will continue, right? You just can't magically think that it's going to go away. But I do like the herd to get a convincing win. Like I said, I think they want to leave no doubt, especially in this Sun Belt opener. So if you've got nothing else for me, or if you do, let me have it. If not, take us out of here. No, so whether you see us at the Joan, whether you see us at the Jack, whether you see us at the Cam, or whether you see us over on the Sea Lot for homecoming, where we're going to have a lot of people over there that you'll want to come by and see, no matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go hurt. Go hurt, it's the Thundercast. You never know who's going to stop, stop by the Sea Lot. We'll see you next time. Later. <laughs>